morning. This is Sister Lisa coming to you from the Eel, the Edwin Elder Library. And this is a book summary that I'm doing on the Frank Bartleman's Azusa Street, an eyewitness account to the birth of the Pentecost revival. And we're on page 86. One reason for the depth of work at Azusa was the fact that the workers were not novices. They were largely called and prepared for years from the holiness ranks and from the mission field and so on. They had been burnt out, tried, and proven. They were largely seasoned veterans. They had walked with God and learned deeply of His Spirit. These were pioneers. Gideon's 300 to to spread the fire around the world. Just as the disciples had been prepared by Jesus, we have now taken on a mixed multitude, Exodus 12, 38, and the seeds of apostasy have had time to work. First love has been largely lost, Revelation 2 and 4. The dog has turned to his own vomit again, 2 Peter 2, 2, 2. In many cases, that is, to Babylonian doctrines and practices. An enfeebled mother can hardly be expected to bring forth healthy children. You know, this is so true. So true. Anything uh, anything that we endeavor to do in life, there's that um, excitement about the beginning. And something about beginnings. Something about fresh starts. It's just so exciting. I know when I was 18 years old and I moved from my parents' home and in Fort Wayne to my aunt and uncle's home in Hutchison, Kansas. I remember that. It's like I was the new girl in town. Everybody like flocked around me. Everybody wanted to be with me. Everybody wanted me to come to their parties and do this, that, and the other. And um, it was exciting. It was very exciting. But then after a while, after you're there for a while, then <laughs> everybody realizes, hey, you're just like all of them. Can't do anything. There's nothing ex- extra special about you after all. And that no- that novelty wears off. And um, I'm not saying that in a bad way because it's, it's just the facts of life. It's the facts of life. Anytime you go. Same thing when you get married. As you're planning your wedding, you're just so excited. Then after you get married, you know, life steps in. Children start coming. They start taking your attention from one another and so forth. And the bills keep coming. And they really take your attention from one another. Because you've got to work hard to pay those and so forth. And it's true in the work of God as well. It is true. It, you can easily get burned out. If you try to do it on your own strength, if you try to do it on your own power. But when you've got that call from God on your life, when you've got that dream in your visions, when you have that deep burden that it's not about us, it's about God and building His kingdom. When that force within is like, hey, I've got to work today for the Lord because I don't, I'm not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. The people that we're trying to reach and ourselves... The Bible says, save yourselves, save yourselves. And that's the truth. You know, and trying to reach out to others, we've got to make sure we're prayed up. We've got to make sure we're filled with the Holy Ghost and um, in tune with God. So in reaching out for others, in fact, we are saving ourselves. But it's not just about saving ourselves. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It reaches out. The Holy Ghost It's for you and for your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This promise, Acts 2, 38 and 39, it's for everyone. So we've got to be those willing vessels. 
The spirit dealt so deeply and the people were so hungry in the beginning that the carnal human spirit injected into the meetings was discerned easily. It was as though a stranger had broken into a private select company. The presence was painfully noticeable. Men were after God. He was in his holy temple. Earth, all that is human, must keep silence before him. Habakkuk 2 and 20. It only caused grief and pain. Our tarrying in prayer rooms today are but a shadow of the former ones. Too often a place to blow off steam and human enthusiasm or to become mentally intoxicated, supposedly from the Holy Spirit. This should not be. It is simply fanaticism. You know, that's true. Um, A lot of churches, I think, have went to praying silently or having one leader pray because... uh, (laughs) I like to pray out loud. I pray out loud here at home. Of course, it's just me, you know, here um, that can hear what I'm saying in God, of course. But um, when you go in public places, I've always liked to pray out loud. And I remember my mom telling me one time, says, Lisa, says, all those ladies in there in the prayer room are listening to what you're saying. They're listening to what you're, you know, <laughs> you're just pouring it all out there and they all know all your business. Well, so we've got to be careful about stuff like that as well. We've got to be careful. Keep our praises to God. Keep our praises about God. You know, he would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Holy, you know. And not to be seen of men, because remember about the uh, Pharisee standing in the corner and Sadducees, see, where they go to be um, thinking that they'd be praised for their much speaking. But God's not about long prayers. He's about sincere prayers. You know, I said the shortest prayer, the shortest prayer and the most effectual prayer prayer is the name of Jesus when you say Jesus you've said it all because he is everything he's our doctor our lawyer he's our savior he's our friend he's our counselor he's um, everything so when you say Jesus from the sincerity of your heart he is as close as the mention of his name in the early days the Tarian room was just the first thought and provision for a Pentecostal mission It was held sacred, a kind of holy ground. There was mutual consideration also. The men sought to become quiet from the activities of their own two active minds and spirits, to escape from the world for a time, to get alone with God. There was no noisy wild spirit there. That, at least, could be done elsewhere. The claims and confusion of an exacting world were shut out. It was a sort of city of refuge from this sort of thing, a haven of rest where God could be heard and talked to their souls. Men would spend hours in silence there, searching their own hearts in privacy and searching the mind for the Lord for future action, securing the mind of the Lord for future action. This sort of thing seems nearly impossible today amid present surroundings. We die out to self by coming into his presence, and this requires great quietness of spirit. We need a holy of holies. What Jew of old would have dared to act in God's temple as we do today in the missions? It would have meant death to him. We are full of foolishness and fanatical self-assertion. Even the former, even the former Catholics have more reverence on the whole than we do. Sunday, August the 26th, Pastor Pendleton and about 40 of his members came into the 8th and Maple to worship with us. They had received a baptism and spoken in tongues in their church. The denomination had thrown them out of their own building for this unpardonable crime. When I heard the church was going to try, try Pendleton for hearsay, I invited them to come in with us if they were if they were thrown out. 
Two days later, they were expelled and accepted my invitation. Brother Pendleton declared after this experience that he would never build another doctrinal roof over his head. He was determined to go on for God. Multitudes are shut up in ecclesiastical systems within sectarian boundaries, while God's great free pastor lies out before them, only limited by the encircling word of God. There shall be one fold and one shepherd, John 10:16. Traditional theology, partial truth, and revelation soon become law. The conscience is utterly bound like Chinese foot binding. Binding, Chinese foot binding, shut up against further progress. You know how they used to wrap the women's feet, wrap them up really tight so they remain small, because the smaller the foot was considered more beautiful. Sunday, September the 9th, was a wonderful day. Several were stretched out under the power for hours. The altar was full all day, with scarcely any cessation to the services. Several received the baptism. In those days, we preached but little. The people were taken up with God. Brother Pendleton and I could generally be found lying full length on the low platform on our faces in prayer during the services. It was almost impossible to stay off of our faces in those days. The presence of the Lord was so real, and this condition lasted for a long time. We had but little to do with guiding the meetings. Everyone was looking to God alone. We felt almost like apologizing when we had to claim attention from the people for our announcements. It was a continuous sweep of victory. God had their attention. At times, the audience would be convulsed with penitence. God dealt deeply with sin in those days. It could not remain in the camp. You know, talking about sin... A lot of times we have sin classified in different types of areas. We have those that we consider the heinous crimes, just unthinkable things that are done in the world. And we think of, um, you know, classify this as, you know, like breaking the Ten Commandments, the things that you can obviously see. Um, But, you know, a judgmental spirit, rebellion, the rebellions of the sin as witchcraft. Um, judge not that you be not judged. A lie that all liars shall have a part in the lake of fire. You know, a lot of things that we think, a white lie. Oh, that's just a white lie. Uh-huh. Better search our hearts for those things. They'll keep us out of heaven just as robbery would. They would just as theft would. Anything. That's why we say, Lord, search us, Lord. Search me, O Lord. Turn the light from heaven on my soul. If you find anything that should not be, take it out and strengthen me. I want to be right. I want to be whole. There's something else. I want to be right. I... Anyway, I, there's words from a song. But anyway, it's true. Search us, Lord. Turn that spotlight, that searchlight from heaven. You know, those big searchlights that the guards, security guards use, they'll, they'll, they'll find you hiding in the corner. They'll find you wherever you're at. You don't find what's making that noise or what's breathing or what, what broke in. You get it. And so whatever's in our heart, whatever crept into our heart, whatever is hiding, lurking in the shadow somewhere. If it's envy, if it's if it's jealousy, I guess that's the same thing. If it's um, covetousness, I guess that's kind of the same thing as well. All those things, all those little things, those little, little hidden sins that have roots, roots of bitterness, roots, anything with root, anything with root means it has life in it. It has something in it that can grow and become bigger and bigger and bigger. So we got to be careful with that. Well, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to get onto that because, but that made me think of it. That's what this podcast is. I read in the book 
And as I'm reading the book, I have spiritual applications, things that in my own life, things that God has showed me in my own life, things that I'm trying to work out. We've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Say, Lord, I can't be envious of other people. I can't be jealous. I can't be like, I only have like two or three people watching my podcast where I know other people have. I seen the other day, I, I seen somebody that had astronomical views. I mean, a lot. And I'm like, oh, but you know, no. It's like, if we can reach one person, if each one reach one. And I just tell Melissa this morning, I said, we all have an audience of one. Actually, two. We have ourselves. We're talking to, you know, we, we preach to ourselves, right? But we also have God. And said, anything you do in word or in deed, you do it as unto the Lord. You are doing it as unto the Lord. And so if you're doing, if, if it's just you by yourself, and you're talking to God or you're obeying God, then you've already got the audience of one that you're seeking for. It's his favor. It's his, it's his graces. We're going to stand before him. He said, don't let no one steal your crown. Don't, take, don't let anybody talk you out of doing what God tells you to do. You obey him. And he that seeth in secret will reward you openly. He will reward you. And in due time, if, if, you're, if you're meant to be having more of an audience, he will exalt you in due time if that's what it's supposed to be. And if not, if it's just to touch one soul. You don't know that person you're talking to might be a Lydia. It might be, um, you know, Lydia was one woman, but she reached her whole household. That jailer was one man, but his whole household got saved. Um, just different things. Peter was one disciple. He fished all night, caught no fish. But when the Lord came by and told him to uh, cast his net on the other side, he did, and the net couldn't even hold them all. So you obey God. It might seem like you're not reaching anybody or just one or two, but then when it's the time, right time, if, if something's supposed to change, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. So that's what we do. And I'm talking to myself there. And I'm talking to you. Because I know one or two people listen to me on a faithful basis. And I know that God's doing something in your life. I know that God put you in my path for a reason. Iron sharpens iron. If I can help you, you help me. We're not alone. We're not alone. We are brothers and sisters in Christ together. Working for a mansion. And a, ro- and a robe. And a crown. We're working for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We're working today in this short little measure of time for eternity. It counts. What you're doing today for the Lord, it counts. Be your best you that you can be. If you're broken, he'll put you together again. If you're lost, he'll save your soul. Whatever you need, he'll give direction. Let the Lord order your steps. Because he knows what plans he has for you to prosper and not to fail. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. God bless you. You have a wonderful day. Love you. Bye-bye.